What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. This week, I'm interviewing an inspiring Wellpreneur who's also one of my good friends here in Hong Kong. I'm speaking with Dr. Camilla Holst, who's a chiropractor here in Hong Kong, specializing in care of mothers and babies. But in today's conversation with Camilla, I want to explore one of her other interests, which is overcoming fear and helping not only her, like herself that she's done through her own work, but particularly helping her clients and friends face the fears they have in their life and overcome them so that they can really create the lives they've been dreaming of. Camilla just released a book called The Fear Bucket List, where she's talking about how her personal journey of how she's overcome fear, but more than that, about a system and process that you can use in your own life to help you face your fears as well. And that's what I wanted to talk about with Camilla today on the podcast. The many ways that fear manifests in our lives and holds us back, simple steps that we can take to start to face our fears, and of course, the questions I like to ask all wellpreneurs about how they find a balance between their personal life and growing their business and how they manage to stay well while they're also being a wellpreneur. So as always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And I'd love to hear from you with your thoughts and feedback on this episode and all the rest of the episodes. You can come join us in our Wellpreneur community group on Facebook, where there's over 2,800 Wellpreneurs who listen to the podcast, who are growing their own businesses online, and it's a totally promo-free zone. So it's a place where we can share our experiences and information and ask questions and, of course, discuss that week's episode. So you can just search Wellpreneur Community on Facebook to find our group there. Okay, so let's jump into this episode with Dr. Camilla Holst. Hi, Camilla. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. Camilla, I think you were like probably the very first person I connected with in Hong Kong. And we met on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> which is just crazy. I think I was, you know, sitting in London and I was like, oh, we're going to move soon. And so I just went on Instagram and started looking for people in Hong Kong and found you. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. You look like we're totally into so much of the same stuff. So yeah, who knew the internet can facilitate such amazing connections. So why don't we start off by just telling everybody quickly who you are and what you do. So I'm a pregnancy chiropractor in Hong Kong and I'm a woman empowerment coach as well. And I ended up in Hong Kong because I was in a really, really bad place, actually. I had a really bad breakup back in my country of Denmark. And I actually ended up in a huge debt. And I knew I wanted to go somewhere else. And I was like, America or Asia? Which one should it be? Like, universe, give me a sign. And I ended up meeting a guy who lived here. And he asked me to move in. And I was like, that's the sign. Let's check it out. See what Hong Kong is like. Mm -hmm. And I went here, one suitcase. And... Just, yeah, 
have been building my little chiropractor empire ever since. And in addition to that, because one thing I love about you is you, you've really taken off with your business since moving here, but you always have several things going on and you just released a book as well. Yes, that's right. With a big book launch and everything. Yeah. So tell us, <laughs> tell us what the book is. So the book is called The Fear Bucket List and it wasn't really supposed to be a book. So as I said, I, I came here with one suitcase, but what I didn't say was half of that suitcase was notebooks. <laughs> so half of it was like necessary clothes and two pairs of shoes. And then the rest of the suitcase was just a compilation of all my notebooks. And I was waiting quite a while to get authorized in Hong Kong, about six months. And being the personality I am, I can't just sit still. <laughs> so I had to have some kind of project. And I, I remembered, oh, I brought all these books. Let's just start reading through them all. And I actually had a meditation as well, that one I did myself. And I was asking, like, what is the whole point? Why was I so compelled to bring this? This is super weird. But now they're here. What am I supposed to do with this? And... I was told, you need to write your story. You need to help. There's some women out there who need your help. And so I began just making a red thread. And that's how the book turned out. So it wasn't really meant to be, but here it is. So that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on the podcast is to talk about this issue of fear and overcoming fears. Because I know that's, that's the thread of your book, right? Is that, yes. Is that we all have fears in our lives, which stem from a variety of reasons. And by overcoming those, then what we become more resilient and, and just realize our potential is so much bigger than, than what we thought. So how did actually, let's start with you and just kind of the personal version. Like how did fear show up in your life before you started doing this work to, to overcome it? So mine started at a very early age. I used to be fearless. I remember when I was old enough to crawl up on the bathtub and over the sink, there was a mirror and I, I would go there and I would look myself in the eyes. And I remember thinking, you can do anything you want. You're meant to do great things. And I was maybe like five, four, five, something like that. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I had a purpose. And then that all got destroyed when I was about six years old. And that's when fear showed up for the first time for me. And then it kind of followed me my whole life. It was a huge thing for me. So it would be anything from just, you know, socializing with my classmates or every time, you know, you had to do like a public speaking or anything where you had to present something in front of the class, I would just avoid at all costs. And I'm still working on that. I'm still working on that. Now when I'm being asked to speak at events, I'm still super nervous just before it happens. And then when I'm in the middle of it, it's fine. But it, that's like a continuous fear for me that I'm working on. Yeah, I think just a general feeling of not being good enough. I've struggled with that a lot and growing up and especially when I, I got discovered and I started modeling and it was so critical. <laughs> So you're just being told every single day what's wrong and you have to lose weight. And that definitely made it even worse. And it was just the way I showed up. I think I always felt like I had to compensate and, and be someone I wasn't in order for people to like me. And I would say that's the biggest thing that has changed. I don't feel like I have to convince anyone anymore. I feel true to myself now. And I am who I am and, and everything that's happened to me, like I write in the book, it's actually benefited me because it made me go through a journey where now I'm, I'm confident in who I am and I can teach that to others. 
So, yeah. Thank you for sharing so openly about that. And I think almost everybody listening will have that, have experienced that feeling of like either not being enough or having to pretend to be different than you really are to try to be accepted. I think that's really pervasive. I know I've struggled with that too. And what I just want to point out is it's so funny. You know, we've heard that quote, like, don't compare somebody else's outside against your inside, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I think when people see you, Camilla, you're totally gorgeous and a model and like have a successful career and like so pulled together and lovely when we meet you. And I think that could be really intimidating, right? And people mm. don't realize that actually, no matter what people look like on the outside, everyone's dealing with this stuff. I mean, almost everybody. Like, if anybody has never dealt with that, I'd be so curious to hear because you know, <laughs> every client I've ever worked with and I know myself and my friends, you all deal with that feeling of not feeling good enough at some point. And so I think it's really powerful to acknowledge that so that we don't, because we can feel so isolated. Did you talk to people about that when you were going through it or did you feel like you were the only one? Definitely felt like I was the only one. <laughs> I think a lot of people, and I, that was also my motivation to to write the book instead of keeping it in all my notebooks. I could have just kept it to myself, but I, I thought, you know what? If I felt alone in this journey, I bet there's someone else out there. And and I also, I started researching a little bit and saw the rate of suicide. And I thought, okay, if I can just convince one person that they're not alone in this and there's other people out there and, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and there's a way you can do this in a natural, holistic way. You know, you can self-heal if you have the right tools. So, so that was kind of my motivation to publish in the end. So for you personally, what were some of the tools and exercises and things that you used to help you get over this fear? I've used many kinds. Of, like I tried everything, but I kind of did this mantra for myself. <laughs> just do it. Just jump right in. And I remember I was at a, an event back in 2011 and, and that was like my, my power mantra. Just do it. Just do it. And I kept saying that to myself every time I was feeling scared. And then I just, I started making a list of everything I was scared of, everything. And then I took it from the top of the list and just started exploring that and went through it. And that's things like, I mean, you talk about this in your book, but like diving with yeah. sharks and like yeah. doing like really like, physical What's scarier fears. than that, right? Not just mental fears, like fears like public speaking or something, but really exactly. physical, putting yourself physical in Physical fear, yes. Yeah. Because I thought, okay, one thing is public speaking, right? Like you said, it's like an emotional thing, not being good enough, all this stuff. But actually jumping in a cage in front of a white shark, it's like your body takes over. It's a different kind of empowerment. It's also something I've used many times when I'm doing other things. I'm like, you died with white sharks. You can do this. Are you kidding me? Like, why are you even scared of this speaking event? <laughs> so I've used the physical, like jumping off cliffs, going down waterfalls, all these things that it just, it empowers you after. And that's what I mean about just doing it. Because I didn't want to stay scared. I didn't want to be where I was. I wanted to go to a different level of consciousness. And I think the only way you can do that is through facing your fears. That's the one thing that's holding you back. And I think generations before us, they knew that already. They even had schools of facing your fears on different stages that you had to go through to work in the temples back in Egypt, for example. So they already were aware that that was kind of the key to a higher consciousness. And I thought, why not just try that out and see what happens? When you do a real physical 
you know, you really face a fear like that. How do you feel different afterwards? Like what changes? What do you notice? Okay. So I feel almost like a lift of weight, like an um, elevation. It's almost like the cells in the body are vibrating on a higher level. Whereas when you're fearful, you're kind of paralyzed. Well, that's one of the ways you can react. And then once you go through it, everything vibrates. For me, I feel more of who I really am, if you can say it like that. It's more, I'm more connected to who I really am. So in addition to like tackling, I love this idea of kind of following your example and making a list of everything you're scared of and starting to just tick them off. But in addition to these really physical fears, what are some of the ways that you've been able to overcome like the more emotional or belief driven yeah. fears? So they're actually the worst, I would say, the, the emotional ones. And I found that I had been escaping them for a while. So, and like a lot what? of people what do, do this. Like for me, I turned to alcohol, even drugs when I was younger to escape because I didn't want to feel my emotions. I just wanted to escape. Some people, you know, some girls cut themselves. Some people stop eating. Some people eat too much. So that's all escape mechanisms because they're feeling very bad inside. And I realized I need to burn out these feelings. I need to be present with them. I need to really feel them in order for them to go away. And I was introduced to meditation and oh, I struggled so hard because it was so boring in the beginning. <laughs> I couldn't sit still. And I was like, oh, everyone is so good at this. They've been doing it for a while and I'm the new one. Like, how am I going to survive this? But I kept showing up. I was in a small meditation group and I kept showing up every single week, even when I didn't want to go until one day we were talked out of it. And then it's like, oh, I don't want to go out of this. This was so amazing. This felt so good. I can't believe a whole hour has gone by. And that's when I realized, oh my God, meditation is actually pretty cool. And that was my kind of self. I never went to a counselor or anything like that. I used meditation as my therapist. So I would go in if I had an emotion and I would just go, okay, show me what you've got. Is this all? What else is there? <laughs> and then I would just let it burn through me for however long that took. I like that description that you use the word burn because I've mm. had that experience too. Like if you, so you're having an emotion or a feeling or a bad memory or something that you just want to suppress. If mm -hmm. you become intensely present with that, and mm. sit there like in meditation and just, and then also be curious, just be like, huh, I'm feeling mm. this. Like, what yes. is it in my body? How, what is it doing as I watch it? You know, just sit there and observe it with curiosity. Oh yes. my gosh. I mean, you don't even need to, our minds want to try to figure out, well, where did it come from and why is it there? Like that doesn't even matter. If you just sit there with it, you'll learn so much about it and it eventually lessens the hold over you. It becomes you, yeah. the emotion passes through your body. It's not something that controls you anymore. It's so, it is like a burning, burning away. I'm so glad you used that word. And we even used a sauna. <laughs> so we would go to this sauna in the middle of nowhere and actually burn through it. So you actually feel the heat. And then when you cannot take it anymore, we jump in the cold lake. Oh, this is like so, so Scandinavian. That's yes, I love very this. Scandinavian. <laughs> <laughs> but it works so well because you're feeling it physically as well as mentally. Mm -hmm. So that really helps. Oh man, I love that. Do you guys just on a tangent, did you grow up like was were saunas like a real part of being in yeah. Denmark? Is that like it's a thing? Not, it's so cold, right? We need to <laughs> stay warm somehow. 
Oh, man. When I move back to London, I'm going to have to build a sauna, I think, to warm me up. Yeah, in your house. You can just build it in your bathroom. It doesn't have to be that big. It's just for one person. Oh, I love it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, so we've talked about ways that you've dealt with yeah, your physical fears and your emotional fears. When you work with clients and just your friends and people that you see, do you have a couple of really easy ways that they could get started kind of playing with their fears and, and starting to overcome them? What would you recommend? I like writing things down. I'm a writer. I think just putting stuff on paper first, so you actually acknowledge, okay, where do I have fears? Or, or be detailed, like what kind of situations, where do I show up being a version of myself I don't like, for example, and then work from there. I feel once I have stuff on paper, it's easier to work on it because then it's not so overwhelming. So you need to definitely write it down first. And then I would suggest like if you've never, ever meditated, start in a group because <laughs> it can be pretty intense just starting on your own. It's quite nice actually to have people around you and you can talk to them after about your experience. So if you've never done that before, I think that, but I think every successful business owner, what do they do? They meditate, right? They have their morning routine. They have, so that's one thing you can do. I definitely have my routine down every morning. That's yeah, like my center. So I do something called a 5D meditation. Uh, a higher self meditation that just takes me into who I really am, remembering who I really am, and I connect with my heart. And then after I do that, I will go into a, a visualization. And this is just, it doesn't have to take long, just a couple of minutes. I visualize the day ahead of me if I have an important meeting or if nothing important is happening other than just seeing clients, I will visualize them walking out of my office feeling empowered. And then sometimes I'll visualize a week or a month or a year ahead if there's something I really want to do. And then I use a couple of minutes to just be grateful for what I've got because I found that really helped me out of when I was in my darkest space was really acknowledging what I have in my life already. Because we tend to focus, oh my God, my life is so hard. All of this stuff has happened. Oh my God. You know, we become this kind of victim. Uh, and I've definitely done that many times. And what helps me out is actually acknowledging I have all this stuff in my life. I'm healthy. You know, I have my family. I have my little dog. And, and so that always helps me if I'm in a bad headspace. So I bring that into my routine every single day. Because I think if you start your day from a place of gratefulness, then you're all set to go, you know? And then I have some incantations I do. That's the last bit. Actually, I recorded my own when I was feeling shit. I just, and I, I was annoyed by everyone else's voices. <laughs> so I, I recorded my own and just listened to them over and over and over again. So that helps. And then I do a little prayer asking for my patients to receive the best healing that they can handle on this day. And then I go to work. I have a bulletproof coffee and then I go to work. I think it's so interesting, people's morning routines, because it, you have to find one that works for you, but they all have, there's so many that have like the similar components. So something about presence and gratitude and a little bit of meditation and really getting present in, into your body in the day. And then, yeah, yeah, it puts you in so much of a better headspace to start your day. So thank Definitely. you. And I'm kind of curious, I'd love to ask people, because this is like a pervasive problem for so many entrepreneurs. How do you deal with email and social media? Like taking over your life. <laughs> What's working for you? You don't have to have it all figured out. I'm just kind of curious how you how you deal with it. I'm uh, very organized. So what I do, I clean out my email inbox regularly. At least once a month, I will unsubscribe stuff that 
doesn't make any sense. You know, you always get all these things. So I will really be critical of what I'm receiving. And I don't open my email throughout the day. I'll do it maybe once in the morning just to check if any patient has, has written. And uh, so, yeah, I, I try not to be on my email all the time. I don't have any notifications or anything like that every time something comes in. Social media, I try and schedule it. So I use an app called Unum to schedule my posts just so I have an overview. So I don't have to every time think, oh, what's to post now? What am I going to do? And then I prepare... I just prepare like a month in advance and then all I have to do is go in and post it and just add a couple of new hashtags every time. So it's not the same because Instagram doesn't like that. So it's good to just change three to five hashtags every time. Yeah, you're doing quite a bit with Instagram now, I think. Yeah. How is that? Like, do you have some kind of tips and advice to share around what's really been working for you? Yeah, so that... That's one of them with the hashtags. So you can have up to 30 hashtags and you need to find the ones that are basically in a niche. And I would suggest you, you really research your, the people in your, the same niche, people with more followers than you. Like, see, what are they using? What are they doing? What posts are they getting more likes on? Like, what separates those posts? Like, really research it. Because otherwise, you're just going to end up with a personal page with like a million selfies and no one wants to look at that, right? Like, what, like, ask yourself, what value is this post? Will it make someone react, laugh, smile, cry, whatever? If not, then don't post it. That's what I always go through when I, I do mine. And so I actually have three now because, first of all, I didn't want to spam everyone with my puppy. So I made her own Instagram. And then I have my, <laughs> I have my own personal one, which is kind of my name. So it's, it's personal, but it's also my business Instagram because I like that. I actually like that my patients know what am I up to? What am I doing? So it's not too clinical and just a million pictures of a spine. So I've combined it a little bit, business and personal. And then the one, do you have one for your book also? I have one for the book, yeah, which is an empowerment Instagram account. So I'll just schedule up some empowerment quotes and then mix it with travel photos and anything inspirational that I can find. Because it's different niches and that's the whole thing. Like stick to your niche. If you're posting food and then a dog and then yourself and then, you know, a car or something, Instagram doesn't know what you're doing. Like, who are you? And it's the same in your business. You need to niche down. That's like key. Otherwise, how are people going to find you? If you just do everything or whatever, then and even your referral partners, how are they going to refer to you if they don't know what your specialty is? Can I ask you about that? Because that's like a really hot topic in our community is about Mm. referrals and how to get referrals. And so what's worked for you? Sometimes you need to be a little bit sneaky about it. And so when I arrived here, (laughs) I uh, looked up, because I'm a pregnancy chiropractor, right? So my niche maternity, I looked up what's going on in Hong Kong and I saw there was this huge maternity conference going on. And so I researched a little bit who made it, who did this. And then I just showed up as a participant, walked around, you know, my cards in my pocket. And then I found the perfect time to walk up to the lady who's in charge. And instead of just going, you know, blah, 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 I'm awesome, blah, 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 book me. <laughs> I told her what a great event it was. And then I gave her some specifics of what I really, really liked. And next year I was a speaker. So she invited me. So I think you really need to, you, you need to give value, first of all, and you need to research your niche. What events are coming up? Where can you go and network? And for me, that was 
that was the key to my my business because that is the top doctors in Hong Kong and I'm the only chiropractor speaking there. So I think that was like my sneaky little thing that I did, but it, it definitely worked. And now I'm I'm going back in a month and speaking again. So and there I met a lot of people in the same industry, not necessarily not in the same as me, but similar ones. And I just walked around and talked to everyone. You know, like, what are you doing? What's your specialty? Like what? So that I know when I have a client, I know where to send them. And when you do that, start giving value. Always give value. They will send back to you. That's how it works. If you just show up and say, oh, send people to me, that doesn't work on anyone. If you give value first and they see that, they will have you on top of their mind. I'm glad you mentioned that because referrals are really a two-way street. So people are always thinking about, well, how can I get people to send clients to me? Well, like exactly what you said, if you, if you look at it as like a, you know, it's like a flow, like passing around the love of all the clients, like you are referring people to them and they'd refer people to you and you can refer them to somebody else. And like, it just, it keeps it all moving and flowing. And I think that's a much, much healthier and more productive approach than just being like, send me clients. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, because, you know, this is something I'm personally very interested in, and I know lots of people in the Wellpreneur community are publishing a book. So we kind of went through our book, our our, birthing our books at the same, about the same time. So I know you and I had a lot of conversations Mm. about it, but now being a couple of months down the road, what advice would you have for somebody that that wants to write write and publish a book? Ooh, there's so many though. Uh, I know. <laughs> that's like Just a, a course on its own. Yeah, but, I know. Um, what do you wish you'd known when you were getting into it? If you could go back and tell yourself this time last year. But that's kind of hard because if I'd known it was so hard, I wouldn't have done it, but I still would have. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, because it's so much where it's not just writing the book. It's all the stuff that comes afterwards. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's the part And I people didn't don't know, know that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, You're your own you have to get it out there. No one's going to do that for it. Even if you pay people for it, no one will do it as good as you will. So you need to be able to put in the work. It's like a baby. This is my baby. That Like this isn't as much work as having a baby. So you need to be committed to that and not just write it and then it's out. Like you really need to commit to, and like go on podcasts, do interviews, create value. That's how, that's what you need to do after. But what I wish I had known, I probably wish that I had met my editor a little bit <laughs> beforehand because she actually, she ended up editing two thirds out of the book. I think I would have loved to know that in the beginning. <laughs> that would have saved me a lot of time. What was kind of your writing approach? Did you do an outline first? Did you just start writing? Did you do it all at once or over a long time? Like, how was your approach to that? Well, I had all my notebooks. And so I just started reading all of those. And I like writing. There's something about a piece of paper and a pen, old school writing. That's how I did it. So I, I just started writing. It's like you have no filter. You just start writing. You, you can't be critical of what you're doing. Just write, write, write. And that's what I did. And I actually set aside time. So I'd be like, okay, I'm writing from this time to this time. Just like if you have a job, that was my job. And I had a deadline. I had six months to finish because then I was starting my new chiropractor job. So, so I really scheduled it in. And then some days you can't write, then I would go for a run and then I would get my creativity back and I would use a lot. So my book was really hard to write. Like it was really hard. I would get, sometimes I would get to a passage where I would have to describe stuff in details that I didn't want to describe. And 
I'm very spiritual, so I use I use crystals. So I would use a crystal, put it on top of the manuscript, and just like overnight soak it in there, and just say, okay, take up all this negative energy and all the stuff that's stopping me from continuing to write. And then I would let the crystal be on top of the the manuscript overnight, and then the next day I would continue. So that's one thing that I would use. I would call in different guides and angels to help me as well in the writing process. And so when I was finished with the manuscript, actually half of it was Danish from the notebooks and half of it was in English because every time I channel anything down, it, it comes out in English. So, and then you just, I just had to go and, and get a red thread. But I think just start writing. People are so concerned about all the details. And I think that's a big mistake to start writing. You figure it out. And then the, the title, I again, I meditate. I asked, like, please give me the most benevolent title for this book. And that came up later. And once that actually developed, I could focus the book a little bit more. I, so, I, 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 yeah, I use my higher self. If there's something I'm in doubt of, I will ask my higher self, like, what's the best solution from here? And I think just like you said, you just have to start. Like, mm. that's how you're going to figure out. You, you can't, you can sit and think about it for years and you actually don't get any clarity or make any progress on it until you just start and, and it starts to take shape. Execution is key. That is what separates successful people from non-successful people, I think, because everyone has ideas. But if you don't execute, then what? How are you going to help anyone? How are they going to know you exist if you don't execute? Did you, to kind of loop it back to our first conversation, did you, what fears came up for you when you were doing the book, writing the book? Ooh, because it's quite spiritual. I remember thinking, and actually someone told me as well, aren't you scared? You know, all your doctor friends are going to look down on you. You know, it's first I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And it, someone even said, why don't you write it under like a different name? Mm. <laughs> I was like, what is the point of writing <laughs> your story if you do it in a different name? Because you're scared someone will look down on you because it's not just scientific. I've done the whole scientific thing. I have a scientific background, but I believe it's okay. You can have a foot in both worlds. You can have a foot in the holistic world and the medical world. I think it's actually nice to be balanced out. And that's why my clients choose me because they know it's a holistic approach to it. But I do have that background. But yeah, that was just for five minutes. I was like, oh, maybe. Yeah. But, but then I was like, actually, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Because then why would I even surround myself with those people if that's their opinion? So, you know, there's always going to be people who like you and people who won't. So I think just put it out there. You're just going to lose if you don't. I love it. Oh, Camilla, thank you so much for being here with us and sharing so openly about your experience. Can you tell us where can people get in touch with you to learn more and check out your work and your book and, and get in contact? Yeah, so I'm actually... I'm giving away a chapter for free if anyone wants to just uh, sneak a peek. And, and that's on thefearbucketlist.com. And also it's available on Amazon. And it actually, it's, it goes for charity. So I don't really earn anything on the book. It's, it's 100% charity. So if you want to support something nice, go in there. And there's some nice, yeah, it's just a book. I have a, like a self-coaching thing inside as well for people to fill out because I like to be active when I read. And then for the chiropractic, it's just my name, CamillaHulse.com. And, but Instagram, like where you met me, <laughs> I love Instagram. I love engaging with my audience. So I'm very active on my Instagram page, Dr. Camilla Holst. 
So that's definitely a way to get in touch with me. Yes. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for being there. We'll link up all of that stuff in the show notes too, so people can get to it. So thank you so much, Camilla. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about in the show notes at wellpreneuronline.com. And I'd love to connect with you in our Wellpreneur community group on Facebook as well. I hope you have a fantastic week and start to overcome some of your own fears in your life and your business. And I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.